In the last reflection, we examined the words of Moses in response to the call of God on his life to return to Egypt. And that day he responded to God saying, God, what if they don't believe me or listen to me? Now that response came from a 40-year-old wound resulting from his past failure to gain the confidence of the Israelites. At the age of 40, Moses had intended to do just that, to deliver his people from their bondage. But when he attempted to do so, he, he failed and instead lost everything, his Egyptian home, his influence and wealth, even his Israelite family. And he ended up living in exile in a foreign land, working as a simple shepherd for 40 years. Notice, however, in Exodus chapter 4 and verse 1, that Moses not only says, Lord, they won't believe me, but he has a second objection. Let me read from verse 1 of Exodus chapter 4. Then Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. Now, consider those words, the Lord did not appear to you. When Moses told God, what if they don't believe me or listen to my voice, he expresses a lack of confidence in himself. They're a, ref a reflection of his past failures, and they demonstrate his insecurity. But the words where they will say, the Lord did not appear to you, demonstrate something completely different. Consider the task that God was calling Moses to do. God had asked Moses to deliver his people from the bondage of slavery in Egypt. He was asking Moses to stand up against an entire nation. He was calling him to release hundreds of thousands of Israelites from, from slavery. Egypt had come to depend on these slaves for their economy. The free labor that these slaves offered drove their economy and built their cities. And we can only imagine the economic impact that the release of these slaves would, would have on the nation of Egypt. How does one man convince a nation, depending on slavery, to drive, that, to drive their economy that they need to release all of those slaves? But the release of slaves was just the beginning of the problem. As much as the Israelites hated Egypt and its cruelty, they had become dependent on Egypt for their food and their shelter. These poor slaves had nothing for a journey in the wilderness. And, and where was Moses going to get food and shelter for this, this, these slaves and their children, likely a, a number of about two million people? How much food would it take in a single day to feed two million people? How much food would it take to, to feed their animals? See, Moses was called to lead these slaves into the desert, to the land that God had promised them through Abraham. Living in Egypt was harsh, but facing the wilderness without food and provision was a sentence of death. Now, it was likely that there were Israelites who would have preferred to die in the wilderness than face another day of slavery. Others, however, 
may have been much more difficult to convince. They wanted some assurance that this journey was going to be possible. Consider also the administration of this task. How do you plan for a journey that involves likely two million people? How do you organize these people for the trip? And of course, over the course of the time that they would be in that wilderness, there would be many, many problems. There would be conflicts and quarrels and disputes to settle. There would be sickness and death. The enemies would be, uh, uh, they would have to face enemies on the way. The, the more Moses thought about this, this huge undertaking, this call of God on his life, the bigger the task became. It, it was a task that was too big for a simple shepherd of Midian to undertake. I'm convinced that as Moses thought about this task, this call of God in his life, he was overwhelmed by its immensity. There was no way that he was capable of handling such a huge undertaking. But the call of God remained on his life. I am sending you to Pharaoh. Now, Moses was physically incapable of accomplishing this task. Only God could do that. God alone could break the yoke of slavery in Egypt. God alone could set the nation free from bondage. God alone could provide for them in the, in the wilderness. God alone could protect them from their enemies on the way. And God alone could give Moses favor with the people who had already rejected him. And more than anything else, both Moses and the people of Israel needed the assurance of God's presence and God's blessing on this undertaking. Without his blessing, they were doomed to fail. Without his presence, the undertaking would be absolute foolishness. If the people of Israel were even going to consider leaving Egypt, they needed to know the presence and blessing of God. If the people were going to submit to Moses as their leader, they needed the assurance that God was with him and that God had indeed appeared to Moses. And the only way the people of Israel would submit to Moses was if they were sure that God had called him and God had equipped him for the task. They needed to know that God was with Moses and would empower him for the journey. Now realize also that Moses himself needed that assurance. Who in their right mind would have considered such a task if they would have, did not have the assurance of God's blessing and God's enabling? And, and Moses hints at that at, in those words from Exodus 4 and verse 1 when he says this, For they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. You have to admire the words of Moses here. These words are words that every person who wants to serve the Lord needs to examine. Has the Lord appeared to you? A great preacher once said, it used to be that when we called the pastor, we would ask the question, does the fire of the Spirit burn in his bones? Now we ask, 
Where was he educated? Do we really understand the nature of the task that is before us? Do we realize the nature of the demonic forces that stand against us? Do we understand the hardness and sinfulness of our own flesh? Do we comprehend the power of fleshly temptations and lusts? Do we think that we can convert a soul by human wisdom? The work to which God has called us requires nothing short of a miracle. Now, I remember my struggles as a pastor serving in the Evangelical Church of Mauritius in Rosebell, Mauritius, and we were facing one problem after another. And I can remember going to the Lord God one day in prayer and saying, Lord, how can I deal with the problems I'm seeing in this church when it's a full-time job dealing with myself and my own flesh? Can we understand, can we stand before those to whom God has called us and believe that that we are sufficient in ourselves for the work? I had the opportunity this week to phone a sister in the Lord who who lost a dear friend of many years to cancer. I, I, I phoned a gentleman whose wife has been in pain in a hospital bed. But you see, as I phoned them, I realized that I do not have the power to take away their hearts. I don't have the ability to heal their pain. All I can do is cry out to God on their behalf because he alone can bring the comfort and the healing they need. Let me be clear. I cannot save a soul. I cannot change a life. God alone can do that. The only hope I have of accomplishing the call of God on my life is that if God is with me, he needs to give me insight. He needs to empower me. He needs to provide. He needs to do the miraculous through me. The devil laughs at the degrees behind my name. He's not tripped up. By, he's, he's tripped up many who have had more more experience in life and ministry than than I have. The words, he did not appear to you, are a strong condemnation to all who seek to serve the Lord in their own strength. If there is one thing we need as we embark on the service of the Lord, it's to know that God has appeared to us. We need his calling on our hearts. We need his anointing in our lives. We need his presence with us in all we do. And there is a vast difference between the work done in human skill and and wisdom and the work done in the power of God's spirit through us. Listen to the words of the people of Jesus' day when they heard him preaching. Matthew seven twenty eight and 29 says this, And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowd was astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. What was it about the preaching of Jesus? He was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. The authority of God was on him to preach the word. This was not something the scribes and the religious teachers of the day demonstrated. They taught in human wisdom, but there was power and there was authority in the words of Jesus. You felt as if you needed to respond to Jesus' words because they were the very words of the Spirit of God in him, piercing and penetrating the heart and bringing conviction and spiritual growth. 
And what was true of Jesus was also true of the apostles. Consider the response of the Jewish ruling council when they heard the apostles speak. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 13, listen to what it says. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. They had been with Jesus. These simple, uneducated men, Peter and John, had been with Jesus. Jesus had appeared to them, and that made all the difference. The words Peter and John spoke carried the authority of Christ. They were words that strengthened and comforted and exhorted. They were not empty words, but words filled with power and authority. Do people see that we have been with Jesus? Do they say, the Lord has appeared to us? And as Moses considered the task before him, he needed to know the presence of the Lord. And as the people of God faced the task of leaving the land of bondage and heading to the promised land, like each and every one of us are doing, they needed to be assured that God had appeared to their leader. They needed to know that God had called and equipped him with the truth. They needed the assurance that he was not leading them in his own wisdom and strength, but in the strength and the wisdom of the Lord God who had appeared to him. Now we read in Exodus 3 just how God appeared to Moses. There in the desert, God appeared to him in a burning bush. That bush was nothing special in and of itself. There were many like it in the desert. But what was special, however, is that the fire burned in the bush without consuming it. It was the flames of fire that set the bush aside. The flames were not the bush, but they burned in it. And this is what God wanted to do with Moses. He wanted to be the fire that burned in his bones. He wanted to be the power that enabled him to be faithful to the call. And when people saw him, they would see the fire and know that God had appeared to him. The fire of God can be a fearful thing, but it does not consume us. Its only desire is to refine us and transform us into the image of Christ. The fire burns in us, purifying us, consuming anything that will keep us from being the instrument that God desires us to be. That fire will also empower us and enable us to be useful instruments in the hands of God. We are useless without the fire burning in us. Without it, there's no light for those around us. Without it, there is no power power to defeat the enemy. The words they will say, the Lord has not appeared to you, are powerful words. They cause us to search our soul. Has God appeared to us? Does the fire of his spirit burn in us? Does the fire light the way for others to see Christ and his work in us? Do people notice the fire in us? Does the fire consume the chaff of sinful attitudes and behaviors? Does it purify us and 
draw us closer to Christ? Does it empower us to stand against the enemy? Does it enable us to do what we could never do in the flesh? Does it give us boldness to stand firm? How awful it would be to hear those words spoken of us. The Lord has not appeared to him. How terrible it would be to live our lives in our community and have our community never notice the fire of God in us. How fruitless the life in which that fire does not is not allowed to burn. Moses stands before God and says, they will say that the Lord has not appeared to you. How tragic that would be. The reality of the matter, however, is that when Moses surrendered to that fire, the people of Israel could not help but see that God had indeed appeared to him. And that the seas were parted because of the fire of God in him. The enemy was defeated because of the fire of God in him. You don't have to make this happen. You just have to surrender. God will do the burning if you will simply be the bush. Thank you.